Things will work out in the end. Focus, you'll get there. And look, he's lived that story. After a successful exit or two, he then lost millions after deal went south because he couldn't do proper due diligence. He decided to build a tool to help the legal, finance, and other industries due diligence at scale and effectively launched a channel strategy right from day one with a big partnership uh, in 2012. Now, 70 over 70 full-time folks, 250 customers, uh, you know, doing a south of a million bucks per month right now, 3% gross churn annually. That's revenue churn. Uh, uh, $75,000 CAC, 15 to 20 month payback period. So healthy economics, again, based between London and Sydney, helping these folks do diligence at scale. This is the Top Entrepreneurs Podcast, where founders share how they started their companies and got filthy rich or crash and burn. Each episode features revenue numbers, customer counts, and other insider information that creates business news headlines. We went from a couple hundred thousand dollars to 2.7 million. I had no money when I started the company. It was $160 million, which is the size of many IPOs. We're bootstrapped. We have like 22,000 customers. With over 5 million downloads in a very short amount of time, major outlets like Inc. are calling us the fastest growing business show on iTunes. I'm your host, Nathan Latka, and here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Wayne Johnson. In 2012, he co-founded Encompass Corporation, a SaaS business driven by the belief that the best decisions are made when people understand the full picture. As CEO of the company, he's led the creation of the company's Know Your Customer automation software for the banking, finance, legal, and accountancy sectors. Wayne, are you ready to take us to the top? Yeah, look forward to it. All right. All right, good. So tell us more specifically, what does the company do? Maybe give a customer example and, and how do you make money? Is it pure play SaaS? Yeah, it is. It's uh, We service the uh, uh, legal market, the accounting market, and the banking market. For those organizations, when they onboard a new customer, they've got to go through a series of manual checks to work out who they are, uh, do they uh, conform to their requirements, and do some research before they come on board, and that's a costly process. So this area of reg tech, regulations, technology is really about reducing the cost of that compliance requirement. Okay, and what do customers pay called on average per month, would you say? Uh, for a, a mid-term uh, legal legal size company, probably around in uh, US dollars, 5000 a month for the platform, uh, ranging up to uh, financial services companies starting at 25000 a month uh, or up to around 150000 a month. Okay. Do you feel like five grand though is a fair average across the base? You know, it, it probably is. There's some, uh, uh, they all have the same problem, but some are smaller organizations where their customer base is primarily regional, whereas the larger firms have an international customer base and that causes um, a lot more issues, more data required to do the job. And so that's probably a fair, reason, reasonable average across, the, across and, the market. And Wayne, are there any other kind of elements that allow you to drive expansion revenue? Is it just number of seats, feature set? Are there any other metrics that drive the expansion? Primarily feature sets. You know, we solve um, uh, a part of the onboarding problem, but we also solve part of the uh, when an organization gets an alert about uh, a potential financial crime, they've got to do some research. We solve that problem. And we're adding components to the product like uh, um, automated news research and so on, which once again takes cost out of their process and gives us opportunity to upsell new features in the product. And you said in the bio you launched the thing in 2012. Where were you at that state? Was this, is this your first venture or have you sold many companies? Where were you? Yeah, I've done a few of those in the past. I guess I've been in technology for most of my life. We've built uh, technology in Australia and taken it internationally into uh, Asia, into the US, partnered with, uh, with partners in the US to distribute the technology and exit it out of a company in Hong Kong and exited out of a company in Australia. So uh, 
Uh, in fact, after that exit, I took some time off and uh, my business partner and I invested in a few things, one of which uh, unfortunately went went uh, sour. And as a result of that, it led to the idea of uh, a, a great visualised due diligence product to be able to bring information together uh, to find out things you need to know about people you deal with. And that led to the KYC solution. Tell me more about that, because that's a great, I mean, discovery story, right? So how much money did you lose in that thing that went downhill? And, and what was the nuance around that? You know, Nathan, it's pretty painful. It was millions. Okay. Uh, and, of your of your own and, money or investors? Uh, of our own money. And uh, and the reason was is because we just didn't have the detailed background of those people involved in different parts of the transaction. And we stopped and thought, where do you get this information from effectively when you want to do business? And, you know, it lives in registers and it lives in companies all around the place. But you've got to pull it together in a way that makes sense and you've got to do that quickly. So we built this visualization technology that reached out to government registers, government agencies, property databases, valuation databases, bankruptcy databases to pull it together visually and do it quickly to make a quick decision. And we found that lawyers started to use it, banks started to use it for personal due diligence, and that evolved into our KYC product. And, and when, what was the transaction that you were trying to get done that, that failed? It was a, a property investment. Uh, it was a property subdivision, a company that we were actually funding, providing some mezzanine finance for, and then found out uh, after we provided the finance that things weren't right. So we decided to take the project over and things got worse from there. So you know, interesting and painful story, but nevertheless, it uh, was the genesis of how we could bring this corporate information together to solve this problem for us and for others in the same situation. And then so you were obviously your first customer. How long did it take you to build the product and get your second customer? You know, we built a video, Nathan, and uh, we took the video to people and said, would you buy this? And uh, we got the feedback and we just kept on editing the video until we got to something. People said, this is a really great idea. And then we took it to a partner who, um, who was in the business of supplying this kind of data to a large group of legal companies in Australia. We partnered with them, we built the product, and we rolled out with them, and that's uh, that was the beginning of our success. Did you give them a kickback? That sounds like an early channel strategy. Yeah, it was, and uh, we, we we did a revenue share deal on top of the selling, and you know that evolved over a period of time, and uh, uh, we grew our business on the back of that. We changed our pricing model a few times, and uh, eventually we did a great deal with them where they became the exclusive distributor for that product in that, in that country and allowed us to... Uh, to take the product uh, into other markets quickly. And what have you scaled to today in terms of total customers? Uh, there are around 250 customers currently on the platform. Okay, and you're, I mean, so obviously you're at a price point where you can afford an inside sales team. How many team members do you have today and what's your sales team look like? Sales team, uh, the primary sales team is based here in London and there are 20 people in the uh, product and sales team here in London. We have a, a, a back office with around 30 people in Glasgow who development and customer success and a development centre is still in Sydney. So around 70 in the company with, with um, uh, gee, there'd be 12 indirect sales. Okay. And can I do the, I mean, is this math correct? If I take the 250 customers times that minimum five grand per month ARPU, I mean, you guys are north of a million per month at this point, correct? Uh, we're not quite there yet uh, because we've still got some in customers on our older product, which are a lower price point. So we're building oh, it out right now. I see. Yep. When when do you think you cross a million a month? Will it be this year? Uh, it will be early next year on our current projections. Okay, that's great. And what is what does growth rate look like today? So if you look at the past 12 months, how much have you grown? Uh, around 34% last quarter. And I think it was just on the same number, 32 or something like that for the quarter before that. So growth is pretty good for us. Okay. So like if we go back to June of, of 2017, you know, what, what were you doing at that point and what have you grown to today? 
Uh, we don't really disclose revenue numbers, so I can give you growth numbers, but but we don't disclose revenue. Okay, uh, save me from doing the quarterly to annual conversion. What was the annual growth rate? Uh, gee, I, I, we really look quarterly. I guess uh, okay. annually to be be close to. Um, uh, uh, from this point, uh, we're we're nearly uh, at the end of this quarter now. Working backwards on that on that, it'd be gee around a hundred and. Over, well, over 100%, over 120% if I had to do that. 120%. Okay, that's great. No, that's great. That's great growth. And where's most of that growth coming from? Is it onboarding new customers or expanding current ones? Primarily onboarding new ones, actually. Uh, and we've got, you know, our strategy is both direct sales and indirect sales. So we, we're now signing up partners uh, to distribute the product in certain regions. So, you know, that strategy is starting to, starting to uh, contribute as well. What's the incentive structure look like on that? Is it a 30% kind of in perpetuity on sales they drive? What does that channel structure look like? You know, it varies from channel to channel and and also the position that the partner has. Some of them have significant install base and and therefore, you know, it's uh, they're on board and we split the revenue on a 50-50 basis. Others, we've done some light In perpetuity? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because there's a, it's, a, it's a great deal for them, but it helps us to get significant growth as well. I, like you guys, have never been able to find a project management tool that I love. You know, my blog writers like one thing, my developers like one thing, my designers like a different thing, and it's so difficult to get them all on the same page. So when I had Roy Mann, the CEO of Monday.com on the show, I was pleasantly surprised at what he told me regarding his traction and his growth, and I said, maybe I should try this thing. So we now use Monday.com. I started with the magazine. We've launched the Latka magazine, solely dedicated to SaaS founders. It's the only magazine focused on SaaS. And my content writers and my designers worked beautifully together on that project using monday.com for project management. I then said, well, let me give it a real test. Let me see if I can use this for sprints and product cycles with my developers using it as well. And so we did that for GitLatka on our last release. It worked like a charm. Never before have I been able to find one tool that my developers, my designers, and my writers, and myself can use and be happy with. You know, for me, I do most of my work waiting on the boarding deck about to get on a plane. I have to be able to access this stuff on my mobile device, and it works beautifully. We've been using it for several months now, and I said, Roy, I'd love to introduce this to my audience, but you got to give me a great discount. Make me a great offer. He said, Nathan, okay, fine. If your folks sign up and try today, we'll give them 10% off all plans if they use this link, nathanlacka.com forward slash Monday. So you can go there, try it for free, and if you decide to start paying, you'll get 10% off. Again, that's nathanlacka.com forward slash Monday. What percent of your current revenue was driven through a channel partner, would you say? Yeah, look, it's only just started, so currently probably less than 10% of that revenue comes through them. Uh, however, uh, if I add in the, uh, the original revenue from our partner in Australia, that deal that I've talked about earlier on, that would probably take it to close to 20%. Okay. Okay. So, so meaningful, but not where there's, you know, not huge, not the majority of your revenue. Not um, yet. But I, I think if we looked over time, that's where it's going to come from. That's where the growth is going to come from for us. Yep. So obviously the kickback you're paying to these partners are included in your CAC. When you look at your fully weighted CAC, where are you hovering around and how do you think about that number? Um, you know, <laughs> it's still too high is the honest answer for that. Well, what does uh, that mean though? Like wh- that, that's what I want to know. Uh, well, well, I guess we're, we're looking to try and drive that number down at customer acquisition costs so that, uh, we recoup their, uh, their value in the first 12 months. And what are you and at we're now? Still, uh, well, we're, 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 we're over 15 to 20 months at this point. Okay. So, 
So we still got a way to go bring that down. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, if you take the 15, 15 months times the minimum five right now, I mean, that's 75 CAC, you're trying to get that lower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right. Where is that 75 grand minimum you're spending to acquire customers? I mean, where are you spending that? Inside sales, you've mentioned channel partners, you mentioned anything else? Uh, no, I think that's, that's the primary area. I mean, we've really ramped our sales team, uh, spent a lot of time on uh, and a significant marketing budget to get our position. You know, we're in a market where um, we bring automation and robotics to an area which is primarily manual. And uh, so in some ways, our competitors are really the manual process, a lot of education we've got to do. So a lot of that cost goes into, you know, educating the market and creating that uh, position for us. Um, spending that kind of money to bring on customers is great if your bucket doesn't leak at all, but everyone has churn. Tell me what your churn is and how you think about mitigating it. Our churn actually has been very low. I think partly because uh, for larger customers, they use our API to connect and that's a commitment. For the smaller customers, they end up uh, using our product to manage their portfolio of customers and monitor that. So it gives them to be you know, quite sticky. So our churn rate uh, is really around 3%. Uh, and so it's, it's, it hasn't been the concern for us. Is that, said that, is, that, is that 3%? Time, is that gross logo churn per month? Yeah, that's, per, that's not per month. That's per annum. Okay, got we it. We really have had very, very low churn. But is it logo and, or is that a logo or revenue churn? That's revenue churn. Uh, and, you know, a, a lot of that comes down to the investment we made in uh, our customer success team, which we did from the very beginning. And that, uh, that team has really uh, monitored and stayed close to our customers and driven a lot of the, you know, the product strategy as well. So, so I think you also said that that was a gross number, right? 3% gross revenue churn annually? Yes, that's right. That's if, if you add back your expansion revenue, are you net negative? Are we back expansion revenue? Are we net negative? No, no, we're not negative. We're growth. Well, no, no. You, net negative churn would be growth. That means oh, sorry, you, yes. My apologies. Yes, net negative. Sorry, yeah. There, there's too many pluses and minuses and backs and force where it's hard to keep all those things straight. But you are a net negative at this point. Your expansion more than covers your churn. Absolutely. That's great. Uh, last question here on economics before we move on. Lifetime value can be a dangerous number because it can lie to you very easily. What is your current lifetime value and how do you use that to guide the business? You know, that's an interesting question. Uh, how long are they going to stay with us? Um, we're in a market where uh, change uh, in some parts of our market, particularly in the financial services sector, change is uh, hard to achieve and therefore you can expect them to stay with you for quite some time. Uh, and so that will probably have a different profile than our mid-market and our legal products. But, um, uh, you know, we can guess, but to be honest, we're just guessing at this point in time what our lifetime is. So, so you don't you don't really use it to drive the business? It's not important? Not really. Not really. No, I mean, we put it in our metrics, we, we can make some estimates, but it's uh, it, it, it's not a, a reliable figure. What do you assume a customer is at least worth to you? Like worst case scenario, they're worth more than what? Um, I think if we took the mid-market customer, I mean, they're probably a seven to eight year customer and the larger ones uh, are even longer, um, particularly once they've used our, um, our API to integrate. Because what we do is we aggregate data from probably 100 different suppliers. And that adds significant value and reduces their costs and gives us a point of uh of contact that they will continue to use us for that data aggregation. And that's uh, once you're in that sphere, it's, it's hard to have that removed, particularly when you've got the ability to, to not just aggregate the data, but bring it together in a single um, um, structured view, which uh, which adds a lot of value to the process. So Wayne, seven to eight years at five grand a month, I mean, that's north of 400 grand in lifetime value. That's worst case. Yeah, that's probably right. Okay, interesting. Last question, have you raised capital or are you bootstrapped? 
Now we raise capital and uh, we've done it in small pieces along the way. I guess everyone's got a different capital story. Starting in Australia where the market for capital is uh, is a lot uh, more immature, I guess, than what the US market is. Uh, we started with um, the typical uh, family and friends investors, grew that to high net worth individuals, uh, and then a number of family offices. And now we've got some institutional investment from an investment bank here and some others. So, uh, but we've raised it not in, in structured series, but just along the way. So how, reduced, how much total have you raised? Uh, around uh, just under 20 million pounds. So I guess what's that, about 20 eight million US dollars. Yep. Yep. No, that makes good sense. Very good. Well, Wayne, let's wrap up here with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Um, experience My Brand from Joe Torfik. It's a great book about customer experience. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? You know, there's not really. There's a lot I admire, but not, none who I'd say I'm actually following. Number three, besides your own, what's your favorite online tool for growing your business? Uh, I guess I spend more time in Salesforce. It's a pretty boring thing to say, but I probably spend more time there than anywhere else. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Uh, six on weekdays and nine on Sundays. Okay, Andrew, okay, so call it average seven-ish, weighted average. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> what's your situation, Wayne? Married, single, have kiddos? Married and with kids, yeah, that's right. How many kids? I've got three and they're oh, wow. adults, but uh, yeah, and uh, great kids. And how old are you, Wayne? I'm 56. Last question. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? <laughs> uh, that uh, things will work out a lot better than you expect, but it's just harder work. That's probably the thing that I would look back and say to myself. They, they, will, work, they will work out in the end. Then you know, Don't worry. You'll get there. Guys, there you have it from Wayne. Things will work out in the end. Focus, you'll get there. And look, he's lived that story. After a a successful exit or two, he then lost millions after a deal went south because he couldn't do proper due diligence. He decided to build a tool to help the legal, finance, and other industries do diligence at scale and effectively launched a channel strategy right from day one with a big partnership uh, in 2012. Now, over 70 full-time folks, 250 customers, uh, you know, doing south of a million bucks per month right now, 3% gross churn annually. That's revenue churn, uh, $75,000 CAC, 15 to 20 month payback period. So healthy economics, again, based between London and Sydney, helping these folks do diligence at scale. Wayne, thank you for taking us to the top. Appreciate the time. Thanks, Nathan.